Hi folks, before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to let you know some of the content on this podcast may not be suitable for some audiences. It's all in good fun, but we just wanted to let you know. <laughs> Guten Tag, mon Kinder! It's 5.59 and it is time to dance! You are looking in it with Engineer Jim on 86. Point seven W L O A D the Lord, home of the best German pop music in the United States. Atom, yes, you just have my personal favorite Erotica Circus breakfast cereal. Yes, by Feast, my favorite band. Yes, the hottest DJ to come out of Dusseldorf. Up next are the two. Badest Dummkopfs on the planet, Jay und Dan. So, everybody, dance! Is Engineer Jim in his time to roofie myself? So, get into it on 86.7, the W-L-O-A-D, the giant lord, where we drop the very best German pop music on you. Only on the lord. Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. I really appreciate everyone telling me I look like that Netflix lawyer. Burger King. Whopper. What a burger. The Whopper is a Stella burger. Tasty burger. We've got some shit you might want to watch. Jay and Dan's Birthday Adventureland. Come on, it'll be fun would be a good name for our birthday place. Fold up table in the middle of the room. There's your party That's place. That's it. You just get around the table. I'd like extra salami. <laughs> Putting it into their mouths like... <laughs> So, photographer, a homeless clown, and all-you-can-eat salami. <laughs> Come on, it'll be fun. We could be like UN negotiators. Yeah. Making a dream. <laughs> Starring Jane Dan. hundred slices of salami. Do with it what you will. You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Hey! <laughs> It's episode 97 of the Jan Dad Podcast. What is going on here? I always sound like garbage, I'm sorry. Oh. Schnell. <laughs> wow. it, it sounds like Engineer Jim has a touch of a cold. I've got. Uh, Are you yeah. suffering from uh, a little under the weather? Too, yeah, much, too yeah. many snaps. Yeah. Too, much snap. yeah. <laughs> too much scoops and snaps. I'm a little hungover. <laughs> Are you seriously? Are you no, crush no. It last no. Night? <laughs> wow. You know who might be? This guy right here. Whoa. What an epic right. day he had yesterday. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, because we just returned from uh, Canada this morning. We went up to uh, 
to host the Labatt National Sales Conference in Toronto. Uh, it was at the Royal York uh, Historic Hotel in Toronto, mm-hmm. which they just renovated. Yeah, it's they, a they beautiful. did a really good job. The the argument against the Royal York in the past, beautiful old CP Hotel, and the thing with the CP Hotels, their old hotels rooms are small, and the furniture was junky and dingy. They've upped the game big time there now. That's right. Royal York, it's back. It's back, baby. Royal York, bring all your prostitutes. And have <laughs> so we had a problem getting there. We were on the same flight. We flew American out, and oh, this is the first time... Here we go. This is the first time it's I've ever experienced this. So we're at the gate. We're ready to board. They make an announcement saying, we're just waiting for one crew member, and then we can get going. Yeah. Two and a half hours later, they said, oh, we finally found someone. And, the, and this is the thing. Okay, so fair enough. These things happen. Someone's really hungover. Too many snaps and scoops. They don't show up. <laughs> fair enough. But you have to have a contingency plan. Yes. So the poor lady at the, at the desk there at the gate, I felt bad for her because she was like, she was literally like, we're calling scheduling and they're not getting back to us. And then they were throwing the, the flight attendant who didn't show up under the bus. They're like, yeah, we've called her and she's not answering. She's not oh. answering. We've called her. So you guys are just going to. And then they were like, uh, why don't you guys go away for an hour <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, check back every once in a while. We're like, what? So what? You know, if I do that and then I come back and they're like, oh, the flight's gone. She showed up. Sorry. It, it makes no sense how a company can just cease operations because one person doesn't show up. And then you get on the American Airlines cabin. This is a flight from Los Angeles to Toronto. It's and five we get hours. It, and we're, we're, they were kind enough to fly us up first class, so we're appreciative. Get in the cabin. No TVs. No yeah. monitors. No iPads. No TVs. Nothing. American just bought U.S. Airways, and it was an old U.S. Airways plane that was built just after the stagecoaches. That'll make Jay and Dan happy. Why? How can you just hand out iPads? They're like $20 now. Apple stock <laughs> is in the <laughs> You can get them used for $20. Yeah, so that was... No wonder you guys and are I'm always so busy on the computer. Waited so long, I left my jacket at the gate, and I've had my keys, everything, and I've got no jacket. Uh, and then, and then you, the best, though, is that then we land in Toronto, and you're like, where's my jacket? And you're like looking in, in the overhead compartment, you're like, my jacket is here. Someone took it. Someone stole it. <laughs> I still think that might happen. Someone stole the jacket. I'm like, Old I'm, man <laughs> toolsy. <laughs> yeah, pretty, I think you might have left it. <laughs> Might have left it back there. Uh, but uh, so fun being part of the the Labatt event. We got to see like their their Super Bowl commercials. Everything it was so cool. And yeah. seeing their new products that they're coming up with. It's you know uh, having worked in the broadcasting industry for the last fifteen to twenty years, it's refreshing to work for a company whose employees are actually treated well and enjoy working for said <laughs> company and don't feel like they're under threat of being uh, fired all the time. What? We just Trent's started. On, we he's just on a started. tight schedule. He can only, he only do it in two minutes. We told him 5.15. Okay. Trigger bomb. <laughs> a lot of solo. Anyway. He's got a dinner with an agent, so. These people, so the, the event starts at like 8 a.m. They're wired. Yeah. They've got like noisemakers. It's like, holy, it's like a, a cult. Yeah, because uh, uh, InBev, uh, b- b- like the company is out of Brazil. And they bought Anheuser-Busch, formed this massive AB InBev, this massive conglomerate. But they have adopted the Brazilian mentality now, this exciting, everyone's fired up. The CEO, uh, Brito, is from Brazil. Brito. They were like, Brito's greeting us with Skype. He's, he's on Skype. They were so excited to hear from Brito. Um, we had a great time. Now, Dan, you were deathly ill. You hadn't slept 
all you had slept for 20 oh, yeah, 24 I, hours i was trying to i just went into shoppers drug mart and cleared out a shelf of cold medication and i think i over medicated and i was i couldn't sleep so i was up for 48 hours and so you get there in the morning you haven't slept for 48 hours and you say to me I'm going to try to drink as many uh, bottles of Labatt beer today. And I asked them, I'm like, guys, can I do this? It's an experiment. And uh, throughout the day, I consumed beer, and I actually got better. Now, the best part was you started the day, and you said, guys, I'm going to consume as many Molson beers as I can. And I didn't even hear you say that, and the crowd was like, Right. It was a Labatt event, and in first one minute in, I say Molson. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and the, But yeah. the best part is then all the CEOs for the rest of the day, oh, sorry, this beer isn't good enough for Dan. He, <laughs> he wishes that he was at a Molson event. I, I oh, didn't know uh, Budweiser, kid, number one beer in Canada yeah. by a long shot. Yeah, big time. They're killing it. Oh, we had fun there. And then, uh, and then you, yeah, it's true. You So you drink 12 beers over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. I maybe had six tops. You crushed 12. By it was a long the, event. It was. It was like 7 a.m. till 6 p.m. By In that 5 to 6 range, you were, this is weird, you were like, you were not really coherent in your thoughts, <laughs> but you were incredibly coherent in your reading skills. That's right. When I had no beers in my system, I couldn't get a sentence out, and then I was like, all of a sudden... Dan Rather. Yeah, you're like a young Tom Brokaw, just crushing those words out to the people. And <laughs> crushing then the, those words. And then at the very end, <laughs> you're like talking, you're talking, uh, at the very end, you're like, thanks for having us. And you did a literal mic drop. Like, I look over, <laughs> and you're like, thanks, everybody. And it's just like, <laughs> you drop the mic, and I look over the CEO, Jan Kraps. And he's like, we're not bringing these guys back. The one question, and I want to pose this to you, because we saw a lot of Bud Light commercials, and they're crazy. Like yeah. They're like, whoa, it's wild all, time. Yeah, EDM and UFC, they're all in on that stuff. And, and I said, if you lived in a Bud Light commercial, would you live more than a day? No, you'd die. Like, every time. <laughs> and, and you know what I think of two tools? Like, they had that contest where you're like, get on the Bud Light train and go from Toronto to Banff. I'm sorry, by the time I'm in Thunder Bay, I'm like, I'm sick of these people. The toilets are disgusting at this point. I want to get off this train at this point. I want to get off this Bud Light train. Let me off off the train. Let me off of Brandon. I'm good. (laughs) All aboard. Uh, Is Peter Schrager joining us on the line? Peter Schrager. It's Super Bowl next week. It's your Super Bowl. This is it, Dan. This is the equivalent to uh, Game 7 of the Stanley, or the, the Wales Conference Finals. <laughs> the Prince of Wales Conference. Uh, when, when, do you head, when do you head out? Quebec plays Philadelphia. We've got all of them. Owen Nolan is on the ice. Eric Lindros. Michael Renberg. We're there. Couldn't get Ron Tugnut on the air this week. Tommy Salo. Andrew Raycroft. Corey Schwab. Corey Hirsch. Chris Terreri. <laughs> Schrager, you I'm in, inter- Mobile, I'm in Mobile, Alabama right oh, now. Yes. Oh, yes. A little senior bowl action? This is not one of my, shadily, one of my favorite weeks of the NFL year. It's all the best college prospects who are seniors. They're trying out in front of the teams in a little scrimmage action called the Senior Bowl. It's down here mm-hmm. in Mobile, Alabama. The reason why, I have no idea. And it, the city is just <laughs> empty, and the only people in it are just football people, coaches, GMs, front offices. 
uh, overweight guys like myself trying to cover the thing, and uh, we're having a blast. It's been great. And then we got Super Bowl this week. Uh, I, I could not be happier. Things are great. Shrakes, where do you eat? Like, where do you go to eat? Does everyone go together? Maybe you're going out with an agent, maybe tonight. Get some I info. Am. I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that one undisclosed. Oh. agent, Ooh. but it's one of the top prospects agents. Also got a few big free agents. Uh, we're going to talk. I'm going to grease the wheels a little bit. Then I'm going to ask him to pay for it because I can't expense that. <laughs> Trigger <laughs> Trigger. You sent out a tweet saying you've never met so many financial advisors. Gross. Um, uh, this yeah. is like vultures and hawks. I think they see all the stories of these kids going broke. And I think everyone just sees dollar signs. This is the first time. I don't know why they don't why they let them on the field. But the practice ends. And usually scouts will walk on the field, introduce themselves to these players. I was on the field yesterday kind of watching these kids are being bombarded by financial advisors from New York, from Texas, from everywhere, trying to just give them their business card. I could write some big expose on this. However, I read up on it. The NFL is encouraging this. The NFL encourages it. They think it's great. Like, hey, better, let's send in some financial advisors to help these kids get their finances in order from a young age. To me, though, it seems a little shady. Um, I don't know if I'm talking out of school and the NFL is going to clip my wings on this, but I'd rather the kids just make the NFL first and deal with the financial advisor side of it second. Um, Shregs, this past weekend, you, on the field, interviewed, albeit briefly, but you got an interview with Peyton Manning after he and the Broncos win the AFC Championship game. Just take us through that. How did the interview happen? Was it, uh, in your mind, maybe the pinnacle of your career so far? Big spot, I'll tell you that. Big spot because of how complicated and hard it is to get. So, not to tap, not to go nuts on uh, patting myself on my own back. This is a Do collective it. effort Do it. of my Pat producer yourself on the back. And, and the PR staff who helped make it happen, and Peyton himself, who I've had somewhat of a relationship with, willing to do it, but. The non-broadcast partner, which in this case was Fox, CBS was the broadcast partner, has very little to do with these games. So Fox sends me with one goal in mind. They send me on a Friday with one goal. Get one question with one of the stars of the game. One question. That's it. Because on our studio show, we're going to do a highlight. We're going to toss to that clip. And then we're going to go back to the game at halftime. So this is major pressure. And I'm telling you, I know our Fox bosses, they're not doing flips if I come back and say, hey, guys, I got the big Emmanuel Sanders interview. <laughs> they, want, they want the biggest name of the game. And I know for a fact the Patriots already told me, I love those guys, but the Patriots PR staff said, I said, can I get Brady? They said, Brady hasn't done an interview with anyone all year. He hasn't done one with GQ. He hasn't done one with the New York Times. He hasn't done one with anyone. He's not doing one with anybody. I said, please. I really <laughs> please. please. Like, my bosses like, are sending me, I can't come back with the big Jamie Collins interview. Can we, can we get Brady if they win? And the response I got, which was classic, uh, their PR guy, Stacey James, said, Tom is going to do what he does best on this one. Pass. <laughs> and I said, oh. All right. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I, I've got Edelman or Gronkowski on that one side. I think they'll take care of me on that. But the Broncos, there's a long shot I can get Peyton. I know their guys pretty well. Peyton and I have had a good relationship. Game ends. He's on the podium, all this thing. I make eye contact with Peyton. I put up one finger, meaning one question. He nods his head. His PR guy gives me the look. We get the one question in. He does it. We send it in. And I jump up like Jordan after he you know, hits the game-winning <laughs> shot against the Blazers. And then I gave a little Cliff Robinson shrug of the shoulders. Like, I don't know. I'm in the zone. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I did it. Like, your, your camera guy who's shooting that, does he know the enormity of this? Because uh, you must have no, to. He's a local guy. And he's like, you know, checking his phone afterwards. I'm like, dude, you missed the cord. 
fresh accord. He's just concerned with headroom. That's all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's worried about where they're eating afterwards. But we got it in, sent it in. Uh, the Fox guys were thrilled. It made air, which is huge. And my phone blew up. And then I took a very self uh, self celebratory uh, photo and put it on Facebook of me interviewing Peyton Manning, which is you know just uh, the ultimate non humble brag. There. Yeah. Here I am with Peyton Manning in my name and cry, uh, you know, in writing. <laughs> How, uh, how many hours were you erect afterwards? Four so or five? Yeah. We're, we're doing this phone call now on Wednesday. Still, still erect. Still semi-chubs. Okay, so uh, get us pumped for this Super Bowl, Shregs. Yeah, I think it's an amazing, amazing matchup between two very different teams. Um, look, if you're from north of the border and you need a storyline, it's the young versus old. It's Cam Newton on the ascension. He's on his way up. He's only going to get better. And then it's Peyton Manning and probably... Uh, the sheriff's last rodeo. So you've got two great quarterbacks going at it, two totally different styles. Cam Newton's a mobile, big-armed quarterback. Peyton Manning has no arm, can't move, and yet is winning with his mind. Um, just a fascinating matchup, and then two of the best defenses you'll ever see between Denver and Carolina. Both, both teams have just superstars on the defensive side of the ball. I can't wait. I mean, I think it's going to be great, and I think this media week, you're going to learn about a lot of new players. I think guys that have big mouths that are very fun for the game. I think Josh Norman, the Panthers cornerback, is going to yeah. blow everyone away. This guy is out of his mind. I mean, <laughs> clinically out yeah. of his mind. I think he's going to be hilarious. Akib Talib on the one side with Denver. And then Von Miller in his glasses is one of the greatest quotes you'll ever get. So a lot of big personalities. Obviously, Cam Newton's going to be the star of it. And uh, we'll be there in San Francisco for Fox. And, uh Boy, Von Miller made a lot of cash in that AFC championship game. He's a free agent. Oh, uh, my God. So he's going to make money anyway, but this was like, all right, I'm going to be the richest player in the world. Richest player ever. But wait, wait, can we go back to you? you, I'm glad you called Peyton the sheriff because my favorite thing from Sunday was when when I think Chris Myers was interviewing Cam. I can't remember who it was. And Cam's like, oh, who are we playing? I'm like, Cam, come on. And then then he says, oh, we're playing the sheriff? I'm like, what, the sheriff? Is that we're all going to call him the sheriff now? That's been his nickname around the league forever, but like the media was slow to it. I guess it didn't get to Bristol or L.A. that like people call him that, but around the league, the other quarterbacks call him the sheriff. I think I it's one of it. the greatest nicknames ever. So cool, guys. Uh, can I can I give you one thing from my end on you guys? Let's say about this. Next week, I'll be in San Francisco, and for the listeners who are in the states, every night I'm told we're doing a live back and forth from an iconic San Francisco landmarks. So I might be at Fisherman's Wharf. Oh I might God. be on the I might be on the Golden Gate Bridge just staring down my demise <laughs> and and you guys are going to be on the other end in a studio in LA and we're going to be talking from San Francisco. It's going to be cool. You're going to be at the uh, the Pearl Oyster Bar with the Jacob Ullman, right? Y- you <laughs> and Jacob? Jacob I don't know. Well, Jacob's that's, in the room with us right it. now. Jacob, hugest fan of the podcast. He's going to be at the o- Oyster. I think Jacob, that's like your favorite restaurant in America, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. right? <laughs> <laughs> high energy. High energy. Wait, wait. Shrakes, you... Someone calmed Jake down. He was like shot out of a cannon with that <laughs> You know, you're in Mobile, Alabama. It's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> ja- uh, Jacob and Peter, night on the town in San Fran. What does this consist of? Go. Okay, it starts off, we go to a video arcade and we play video games. That's where we start. That's our pregame. And then we go to a, the best vegetarian spot in the city because Jake is a vegetarian. Oh, I'm yeah. all about that. For fish, now. fish, though. No, no, oh, San Francisco. So we'll be at the we'll be at we'll be at the Olive Garden. We'll get to the Dover Soul. <laughs> two of us. Dover we're getting the Dover Soul. We're getting it. We're gonna go big. Uh, and then afterwards, it's me, him, it's Papa John. We're gonna have some cocktails with Paul tonight. Oh Just, my God. Well, Papa John, he'll be there, won't he? 
Oh, Papa John! How can he not be there? there? He'll be everywhere. It's Peyton Manning Super Bowl. Yeah, that's so true. I, I got I'm so excited about it, Trags. We're excited to talk to you all next week. Will you? Will you maybe give us a shout from San Francisco next week, and we'll talk to you on, the, po- on the podcast? Guys, I would love that. I'm also, uh, as of now, I'm being told I'm going to be appearing on Katie Nolan's show, The Garbage Time. Uh, oh, every day from San Francisco. So I'm excited for that as well. Oh, le ton du garbage. I love that. <laughs> well, enjoy your time in Alabama, and then uh, uh, safe travels to the Super Bowl, and we'll talk to you there, Peter. Dan, thank you. I'll tell Kelly Rudy you say hello. <laughs> <laughs> that Kelly is Rudy. our NFL insider, Peter Schrager. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, P. Schrags. Um we did mention who's on the Wall of Fame this week. It's Chris Commander, Chris Hadfield, once the commander of the International Space Station, famous Canadian astronaut. Um, his book was like, like continues to be like the number one bestseller in Canada. Like for two straight years or three straight years, it's insane. That guy's cleaning up on the speakers tour right now. Oh yeah, sure. and then he uh, he played. He was he was known for playing the tunes, the tunes, the tunes on his uh, guitar. And we forgot to mention, station. we've still got a perfect attendance for uh, 2016. A perfect podcast attendance. I have, yeah. to, I have to say something right now. Uh, I'm amazed that Pat was able to pull himself away from his elaborate inking on his arm. He was getting inked up yes, let's all see weekend. This. He had a big, got big new up. tattoo. Can we see big it? Big tats. Nah, I'm not taking huh. my shirt off. It's... Why not? Take, take, it your off. Shirt off. take your shirt take off. off. Take your shirt take off. off. Take your shirt off. Pat will do it. Take it off for everyone. Plays his own strip club music. Everyone wants so to see it. I'm ruining the perfect attendance next week. I'm going to be with. San, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Oh, what are you going to be doing there? <laughs> not much. Just no, but ser- going but to the parties. No, what will you actually do on a day to day basis? This is your chance to really this is tell very us. Very boring. Put us in the put us in the corner. Uh, put Clay, baby in the corner. Clay's broadcasting live every day. From, Clay Travis, you're Clay Trav- referring to. Yes. Um, from likely from Twitter. We have a broadcast location set up at the Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. Also a spot on Radio Row. So at the buzzer is going to be shooting videos from both Radio Row and Twitter headquarters all day. We'll be handling distribution. Wait, live at broadcast. the buzzer's going? <laughs> Does everyone in the company go to every event but us? Yes. I, I yes, thought that has been clear for about a year. <laughs> yeah, that's very clear. Uh, at the buzzer. It's a lot of live broadcasts. What What is at the buzzer, you ask? I don't even That's not important. It's true. <laughs> okay, well, have fun there. Um, <laughs> Pat, uh, will you get more ink when you go? Hopefully. Pat, will you be inked all over the body at one point? By Head to toe. Of, probably by the end of the year. You got to get here. Really? I'm just kidding. I can't afford it. You have to get a neck tat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a serious question. Like, what a massive tat like you got over the weekend? Like, how much does that run? I sound like toolsy here. How much does that cost? (laughs) It was only a fill, but that was like 500 bucks. Whoa. That's not bad. It's It's only for scratch. Yeah. Think about it. I guess. You could buy so much weed with that, though. We haven't mentioned who our guest is this week Jim Jackson. Yeah. Coolest guy in the room. Whatever. should Should we do that now? Yeah. Yeah, let's bring him in. He's waiting just outside the door. Jim, Jim, come on in here. Let's welcome him in. Jim Jackson, everybody. Jim Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson. Yes. Hydrate. Hydrate. We got water for you. We all got fresh There you go. That's one. Yeah, take a good swig why, before we get started. Uh, why the hydration? What's going on uh, here, Jim? You know, it, it, Whoa, came, it came from air travel. Oh. Yeah, I dehydrated in the air. 
Is that true, Jim? Yep. Well, <laughs> you it, can it, tell part, us. Part of it is true because of the <laughs> intake of alcohol that I had before I got on the plane led to more dehydration. Because Where? you were in Miami. Who said that? You were in Miami? You You're in South Beach? <laughs> yeah, proof. Oh, Jim Jackson. But for a good you cause. You were there for a charity event. I was there for it. Alonzo Morning does it. I mean, well, first of all, his his family foundation, he and his wife, they do so many great things for the city of Miami and the youth. They have a rec center. They did a uh, youth center in Overtown. They have a school named after them. They raise a lot of money, bringing a lot of corporate sponsors. So anytime Alonzo asks, you know, a lot of us just uh, go out our way to make sure that we're there to support him and his, and his wife. Zoe seems like a cool cat. But you got to know Zoe. He was, <laughs> he was considered an When he played. I mean, before, when he played, just because of his demeanor, yeah. he was kind of – people th- kind of felt at times he was unapproachable. Right. But that's just because he didn't trust a lot of people. He didn't know a lot of people. But once you get to know him, you're like, oh, he's cool. I mean, we've been – we go back to high school. Uh, we got drafted, you know, the same year. We yeah. played together in Miami. So I understand who he is. And once you get to know him and understand his mindset and his thinking, it's totally opposite. But he but he had a reputation for a while. Who, now, who were you closest with when you played? Who who were you, like, the, the closest right. tight-knit guys that you hung with? Uh, it, one was Sam Cassell. And, and, the, <laughs> and the reason why is because he, he came from Phoenix to Dallas, and we got traded together to New Jersey. It was a big, big trade. It was like six or seven players. So we were in we were in Vancouver at the time playing, and we got the word that said, you know, this is what they tell you. Don't come downstairs to trade about to happen. So, you know, we get stuck in Vancouver. We go out that night. I'm pissed because we're getting traded to Jersey. So we're going from Dallas, which is a bad situation, <laughs> and we're going to Jersey, which is worse. So the whole time I'm complaining about I'm calling my agent. I can't believe this. And Sam was like, Jimmy, what are you mad for? We're about to go to New York. We're about to be in the city every night. Why are you so upset? So since then, we became really close. He was at my wedding, and, and we maintained our friendship. Is- Sam Casella, the, the big balls. Oh, the yeah, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that it. That was his celebration ever. He's coaching now. I feel like yeah. I always thought like he's going to be head coach someday. He Is wants that what to he be. wants to do? He, he wants yeah. to be. It, but you know what? It's so tough to, one – you you go through the system of being an assistant coach, okay, and he's with Doc, which is great. So he and he was at and he was in uh, before with Randy, um, man, what's Randy's last name? Han? No, no. no. Oh, and, um, Whitman. Whitman. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't even know why. I played before. He was my assistant coach <laughs> in, in Dallas, and my head coach in Cleveland just, when he was in Washington. So he wants to pursue that path, right? But again, it's it's only so many jobs that are that become available. But then it's also what type of job. You don't. You just don't want any job. So, and it's but, also a little bit of who you know, right? Yo, like, how, how does Derek Fisher go right to coach yeah, yeah. in the Knicks? Well, because but that was Phil's a relationship. Guy, right? Yeah, the relationship yeah. with Phil, yeah. and hopefully, some kind of management that um, relationship that Sam has could bode well for him to be a head coach one day. We have to talk about your career because it was yeah, so this unique. Is incredible. You tied a league record. Okay. For teams played for Mavs, Lakers, Rockets, Nets, Sixers, Hawks, Suns, Kings, Heat, Blazers, Cavs, Warriors. Not in that order. Of those teams, <laughs> which of those stand out where you're like, yeah, like that, didn't like that, uh, like that? Oh, you want the honest answer? Yes. yes. Miami was awesome. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and for a lot of obvious reasons. But here's the thing about Miami. when you, I played from Pat Riley was there. He had his finger on the pulse of the team, and he knew if you went out. 
he knew if you were hanging out too much. So it's not like you could really truly enjoy. And plus, part of being a professional, what I learned anyway, was that if you do things like that, you better come with it. You can't miss games. You can't be tired. You can't, you know, not give your best effort. But in Miami, it was just a different lifestyle. I mean, just sometimes after practice, I would just go to the beach, just hang out, mm-hmm. have lunch. You know what I mean? But not that I would be out every night, but it was just different. I'll tell you what. Um, Phoenix was great because of our team. The makeup of our team was really good. Ironically, Sacramento was probably where I fell in love with the game again. Because, it, because not you know, the city's a little tough, but they love their basketball. At that mm-hmm. time, the Kings were rolling, but with Chris Webber, Vlade, Mike Bibby, uh, uh, Bobby Jackson, Hito Turkulu, Peja, yeah. <laughs> Doug Christie. Yeah. Our team, Scott Pollard, our team was so close. My, my, my former teammate, Lawrence Funderburg, we were so close that we would hang out together. Like, same thing in Phoenix. Is that a unique thing then for a team? It is because you just don't have a lot of guys. Because you, you, you're you a professional, you either marry, you got family, or yeah. you do your own thing. You may have a clique where one or two guys hang out. But yeah. even in Phoenix, it was not only the core group of players, but our managers hung out with us. Wow. So we, it may be five guys over here may do something in five, but then eventually we'll all hook up. You know what I mean? And it's interesting. Like, would you rather be in Miami where it's like the lifestyle's amazing and maybe you have a a good relationship with your teammates? Or would you rather be, do you think it's better for a team to be in a place like Sacramento, Mm -hmm. which is maybe not the coolest town, but because of the fact that it's not the coolest town, you guys all kind of bonded? Well, look at San Antonio. And that's not taking anything away from, from there. I lived in Houston. I lived in Dallas. San Antonio is totally different. But because there's not a lot of night activity, there's always something to do. Yeah, They've I got the river walk. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. I, I mean, after a while, I mean, I, I go to San Antonio, you know, the river, river walk has played out for me. I mean, yeah, I, I've yeah. done it so it many times. I've never good. even been there. It doesn't I smell, didn't know that. smell, smell good. good. No, no. You ever been? No, Jay told me about it. He's like, they've got the river walk. Well, That's... you should go once to see it. Okay. But back to your, back to your point. It depends. I think it depends on a couple of things. Where you're at in your career. As a young player, you love to go to Miami, right. New York, L.A. As a young player. As you get older, your priorities change. And you look at it totally different where, you know, yeah, I could, you know, play if it was a championship contending team. The city really doesn't matter because we're on the road. Um, but yet and still, uh, it can keep you focused. But it, it depends on where you're at in your career and your personality. Also, it depends on your personality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a Kevin Durant. I think he's really comfortable. As a young player, being in OKC in Oklahoma, he loves it there. He yeah. loves it. Whereas some players at that age maybe are looking for a bigger city yeah. that could offer more. You must have seen <laughs> the the advancement of social media because w- you guys must have got away with a lot, a lot. when you played. Oh, a lot. Do you feel bad for current players? I do, because there's no way what we did, and not that we were doing anything like you were just having fun. We had fun, but we didn't have to worry about. Somebody taking a picture and posting it immediately, mm-hmm. putting you in an uncompromising situation, which could have been, to me, it's always, well, you can get a picture, and it really doesn't tell the whole story, okay? I could be sitting there with my arm around a female that I may have known for years, okay? Maybe she, hang, she hung out with us. But that picture, when you send it out, oh, it looks like this. And no matter how many times you try to explain it, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. what people see initially is what they're going to think. Yep. And with players today, I mean, and think about this, okay, for the Philadelphia 76ers. I've been through the losing before. My first year, we won 11 games. Second year, we won 13. 
You know, the difference is we didn't have social media. Yeah. So we heard about it, ESPN and little stuff like that. But I didn't have to worry about the tweets or the Instagrams or the Snapchats or the Facebooks, any of those outlets, Twitter, um, that you just hear about it. So today's world, technology is great. But at the same time, you're talking about invasion of privacy. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But did you ever have people chirping you on the street and, like, calling you <clears throat> into a fight? No. But what you had was when you go to opposing arenas, you would have, you know, opposing fans really do that. But I, I think the, the society has changed so much in those 20 years is that <clears throat> God, people say anything to you now. Yeah. They do not care. I don't, I mean, there's no filter whatsoever, especially when it comes to professional athletes of people voicing their opinion. When you mentioned those early years in Dallas, uh, man, you guys, like, it was the coolest thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was you and Jamal and Jason, and it was it was like, this is it. You yeah. guys are the next big three, and then it all kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. What's your What are your memories of that? How, how What's your take on it now, looking back on it? Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because we – it was such a dynamic time for us. Um, I was the first one, then Jamal got drafted, then it was Jason. Ironically, though, the three of us never played a full season together. No, because Jamal came in with me. My, it was my second year, Jamal's first year. We played a full season. Mm-hmm. Then the, the, my third year, Jason Kidd came in. Well, 51 games into the season, I got hurt. So we didn't complete that season. Yep. The next season, Jamal had got hurt. Okay, Then that next season, we all got traded. Right. So we never really got a chance to fulfill our potential. Now, let's back up, too. We had four different coaches and three different ownership changes within five years. So when people talk about – well, what happened? Yeah, it was we were young. We had different things pulling at us. But at the same time, we didn't have the oversight of a Mark Cuban, a management that understood how to rein in and kind of grow and mature this this young breath of talent. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a Pat Riley. We didn't so And he also just treated the players better, correct? When Cuban came in, like he pampered. Oh, well, his I, I mean, our ownership at the time, and bless Donald Carter because he still got a piece of the team and when they won a championship, they honored him. They didn't know. I mean, they ran it a little bit differently. You know, you know, they just they just didn't know how to really build on young talent that we had from a management perspective, marketing perspective. I mean, it was I mean, it was coming at them so fast and at us as young players as mm-hmm. I look back at it. Um, it's a lot of things I learned from it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of mistakes we made. But I, I still go back to the fact that if we would have had, you know, the, the right management structure and been more consistent. Who knows what could have happened, you know, three, four, five, six years down the line. Um, and then you, you're, you mentioned Phoenix, too, mm-hmm. and you played with Steve Nash. Oh, and love every, Steve. And everyone, you know, who listens to us, a lot of Canadians, so we'd love to get just your take love on him. Yeah, i just love to get your take. I mean, you, you look at the guy and you're like, how is this guy such an amazing, you know, mm-hmm. how did this happen? I think a lot of it had to do with his ability to play soccer, okay? He's not the quickest, he's not the fastest, but he understands how to play, you know, and he – he puts himself in a position where he's a point guard that can score, that can shoot, but he facilitates. I remember one game we had, we were in Golden State, and uh, I was on the bench watching him the first quarter. It was amazing how he controlled just the pace of the game and just everything. And coach was telling me to get in. I'm in the days like, oh, hold up, I'm enjoying watching it from, <laughs> from the sideline. But also what made Steve so special is that he worked. I mean, he really worked on his craft. I mean, those little pull-up jump shots. He would go off the wrong foot. It would seem unorthodox, but those were things he did each and every day in practice. That's what made him so special. And 
ironically, as good as a basketball player, as great as a basketball player that he is and was, he was even a better person. Yeah. Steve Nash, uh, he's in Kevin Durant's documentary where he's getting ready for the season. They show his entire offseason. And Nash is teaching KD one-on-one. Is is that what? Does he rent himself out, or would that just be a favor to Kevin Durant? Uh, you know, that's. But how about the respect Kevin Durant has to yeah. go to Steve mm-hmm. and ask him about certain things? Now, keep th- keep in mind, Kevin Durant also looked at, okay, incorporating some things Dirk did with this game with the little one footer fall away. You know, that's what great players do. Now, a lot of times, players don't want to admit that they do it, but I think it goes to the respect that you have for Steve Nash what he was able to accomplish, especially those back-to-back MVP years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredible my time I spent playing with Steve, um, the relationship we were able to establish on and off the court. But just watching his game mature from where he came from, uh, was it out of Santa Clara? Mm-hmm. When he came in, um, in Phoenix first as a backup, okay, and then and came then to Dallas, Dallas, yeah, okay, and watched how things matured. Now think about it, too. If he had stayed at Dallas at the time, when Mark Cuban didn't think that long longevity-wise it was worth paying Steve Nash. People forget about that. Yep. Yep. Phoenix took the chance. And because of Mike D'Antoni and that style of play, it fit his game and it just expanded. I was so happy for him. Yeah. I felt bad for him. Him and Dirk were so tight. Yeah. They, no, they were tight, tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, tight, tight. Yeah. yeah. Tight, yeah. tight. Um. I got to ask you about some of the other players you played with, too. We mentioned Alonzo. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Jamal. Um, I, I got to ask you about Yao Ming. This is oh, fascinating yeah. to yeah. me because yeah. this is a guy. He comes into the league. He, he, for, the most amazing thing about that guy, first of all, he comes to the league. He can't speak English at all. Well, he didn't a, want to speak English. A year later, he's fluent. Like, he's, like, beyond fluent. Let me tell you something about Yao. Yao was really savvy with the media. If he didn't want to answer anything, he didn't speak. He didn't speak English. No, no, don't, don't understand. No, when he wanted to get something across, he would speak English. So, yeah. Yao had a bad. He could. I mean, very intelligent, yeah. very highly, but really quiet. Right. Yao Ming really, really quiet. Um, but he, when he wanted to speak and understand, he understood. Was he? Uh, you know, obviously injuries cut his career short. But you're watching him. Or are you like? You know, that was worth it, spending that number oh, one yeah. overall pick. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, he's a lot like, if you remember a guy, Arvita Sabonis, who oh, played man. in the league. I love Sabonis. Now, now, we got, I played with him in Portland, but it was the back end of his career. Right. But you could see the skill set that he had, especially passing the Can basketball. Can you imagine if Sabonis had oh, been please. in the NBA when he was young? Uh, like, he un- might have been un- one of the greatest players un- ever. Unbelievable. And his son is doing well at Gonzaga. But uh, Yao Ming, a lot of same similarities. One, he had soft hands. He had small hands, which allows him to shoot a jump shot but also be a terrific free-throw shooter because he doesn't have the same problems like a Shaq right. or Dwight Howard with oversized hands where they have no feel for the ball. Excellent passer. He understood how to play, but he was so soft-spoken. I think it's because being Chinese, when you're tall, I think you tend to bring yourself down in regards to the intimidation factor. Hmm. A lot of times you can see Yao really kind of shrink a little bit personality-wise because he was so intimidating from his size. And I think at times that hurt him in his basketball maturation. Interesting. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he wasn't as aggressive at times that he really needed to be because from a skill set perspective, oh, he can just dominate you. Yeah. But at times he would he would fall into that 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 situation where he would back up a little bit. That's the first time I've ever heard 
that having smaller hands in basketball is a good thing because you always see pictures of the guy's palm in the ball, and you're like, oh, man, he's great. Right. Well, think about it. The guys that shoot excellent free throws that are post players, Patrick Ewing didn't have oversized hands. Rashid Wallace, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, and I already mentioned Yao Ming um, from that perspective. Um, David Robinson, not the same as uh, Shaq. But you, you you got a different feel. If you look at Shaq when he palming the ball, it's like a little grapefruit. Yeah. So and I, that guy in the Spurs right now what, is the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, so Kawhi. Like, yeah. well, no, yeah. no, 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 no. The, the, um, the center. Oh, the big guy. The, yeah. 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 So how do you? Is no way you can have touch when you're basically palming the basketball, and it's like a little grapefruit mm-hmm. from the free throw line. It's almost like Correct. a shot yep. put. Never thought of you that. You mentioned right? Rasheed Wallace. I could ask you about I could just sit here and talk to you for 14 <laughs> hours, but I just want to talk about that guy. Could he not have been also one of the – like, I know he was great. Yeah. But he, he could have been so much greater. He – you know, the funny thing about Rasheed, he was one of the top players to come out of high school, went to North Carolina. He never really got caught up. And we played together in Portland in regards to being an all-star, being like he, – he just loved to play the game. He, mm-hmm. he was just – only thing – the way I can describe it is he was just Rasheed. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have been one of the best power forwards to play the game. Ever. Right? And it's not like he didn't work, but I don't – you know how Kobe, his drive is, I just want to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. Rashid's drive wasn't that. Right. You know, he was comfortable being Rashid, um, being the third, fourth option at times. Um, but when you saw his talent, you're just like – he must have been hilarious on the court, oh, no, like just the trash talking. Trash talking in the tech. But he would get you in trouble, too, because of the technical files. Yeah. Like, she, come on, man, calm down. I mean, calm, just you know, we don't need it right now. Right now is not the time to get the tech. Oh, my God. Uh, oh. Before we get into rapid fire, um, if you're – these are uh, questions that sent it to us from uh, our Yeah, I saw, on I saw the one guy said, well, first question, who the hell is Jim Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and he didn't say hell. He said, who the F is <laughs> For, But I want to ask you. Sorry, they don't know who he is. Yeah. If you're starting a team right now, oh. Curry or LeBron? Oh, man. After la- after this week. It's... I know. Man. Uh, I still go with LeBron. Now. I don't sure. think you're wrong on either answer. No, 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 no. no you, you're Obviously. not. I think for a short period of time, LeBron is still going to get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, could Curry? You put Curry in Cleveland. Could he take that team to a, to a title? No, I don't. It's, I don't think so hmm. because it's just a difference. Now, Curry's surrounded by the talent he has. It's nothing taken away. But I look at it from that perspective that um, LeBron has been able to take that mediocre Cleveland team when they played San Antonio. Uh, when he was in Cleveland before he left to go to Miami, yeah. took them to the finals. Yeah, that's true. Not not saying that Miami was slouch, but he took them to the finals. He took this Cleveland team. It's it's only a handful of, not even a handful, a small percent of players that can do that. And I don't think Curry on his own has that kind of impact like LeBron does. And he doesn't. LeBron, I don't know how LeBron sleeps tonight. He's got like his... His own media empire oh, there. He's... Everything that he's doing off the court. And yet he handles a... it. Like, the thing about LeBron that amazes mm-hmm. me, Jim, is that we've been hearing about him since he was 12, 13 right. years old. And to me, like, if that was me, my life's off the rails. I'm a disaster, <laughs> right? I let it get to my head. But he, not only, not only did he not screw up, but he just excelled and continued to get better and better and more media savvy and so right, mature. Right. And the decision to me that was not his fault. That was like guys giving him the wrong advice. But then he even admitted he screwed that up. Right, he, right. Well, yeah, he did. And I think it's because one, at that time, think about it. You're young. You 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 want to walk. The, he was torn. If you watch that over and over, he was torn with that decision. Yeah. Okay. He knew how, but he tried to massage it enough where 
it, it wasn't like he was, you know, I, I think just flat out leaving Cleveland. Right. You know, but I think he was torn. But to go back to the point, I think a lot of it had to do with how he grew up, okay, with his mom and moving from place to place. But also he had some great mentors as he got older through high school, you know, junior high and high school. They kind of taught him the way. And he always looked at it, you know, and I know him and his uh, his really close friends that he – LeBron has always been a team player. From when he was in high school, LeBron could have averaged 50 points. Right. He, you know, I would say he's easy, but – but that 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 wasn't his per- that's not his personality. That was what was so unique about him. You're like, this is like Magic Johnson in a in a bigger body. Kind well, of thing, and think right? about this from the business perspective. It's it's a perfect timing because of the media, because of the internet, because of social media, and because of the opportunities he had to to with Warren Buffett to take advice from from him to sit here <laughs> and say, amazing. how do I grow my 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 empire? How do I grow my image? Well, right. he was smart enough to understand what he didn't know. Which was to get people in his camp. Now their now their team, his guys, they all went through a growing phase too. When he kind of put everybody in charge, they had some bumps in the road. Yep. But by doing that and growing together, his empire. Think about it, now he's in the media side, he's in the film side. Oh, he um, was great in you know, train wreck. He, yeah. well, he was great. Now he he's, was. he's doing the he's doing the reality TV show about Cleveland, about going in about businesses and helping them out, kind of fix some things. So he's the ultimate. Whereas before, it was all about just play basketball, just be, play yeah, basketball. Just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Now, yeah. you're, you're your own corporation, and, and nobody other than Magic and some other guys ha- have done it better. And it's interesting because his star, from that perspective, continues to grow. Um, very quickly, before I get to Rapify, we have to ask you about Kobe. Does oh, yeah. Kobe have any friends? He does. <laughs> you, it, it, you know, you know it, it's, it, it's funny because it may not seem like it, and I played with Kobe for half a year, and you're the last one to wear 24. Yeah, before that's him. amazing. Yeah, I let him wear. It. No, but, no. but <laughs> like when you when you you get there, is he is he nice to you? Is he just like, yeah, I know who you are, Jim Jackson? Is he sort of dismissive? Is he does it take a while to get into like earn his trust? Like he's such a it's, fascinating it's, it's, human it's, being. It's weird. If you saw Muse, anything. I always figured that because he came from overseas and didn't fit in. That's man, to the that's urban such a culture. Good point that his isolation, his way of fitting in was playing basketball and being the best. So he invested all of that time into that and really not the personality part. And I think as he got older now, and you can see it now, he probably looks back at it and said, Damn, I wish I could have done this earlier. But to him, his only way to be the best was that isolation. Now, when I got to the Lakers, which is funny, Kobe and I hung out a lot. So before games, a lot of times we would go, I know he likes steak, we would go to different steak places on the road. And ironically, his bodyguards at the time came up to me and said, well, Jimmy, you know, Kobe doesn't do this. He doesn't hang out. I said, what do you mean? I mean, we're teammates. This is what teammates, he said, well, he doesn't do it. So I got a unique perspective of the other side of Kobe. Hmm. I mean, we talked a lot about different things. And and I I just, I think now – when he looks back at it, he probably would say I would do some things different from a personality perspective. But he did isolate himself a lot. I mean, if some, if we were on the plane, he would be in the back and the rest of the team would be up front, which mm. is tough. Yeah. From a you know, from a team dynamic perspective. But I think he's changed that over the you know, over the course of the last maybe eight to nine years. It's amazing to watch this last season, you know, like it's tough to watch too though. It kind of is. It, it, it's for me. Because, and I talked about this before, who does he see? 
And once I think once he came to the realization that he wasn't Kobe from 10 years ago and he made the decision to retire, that kind of, I think, took a lot of weight off his back. But he's such a competitor, it's no way that he's not going to try to compete. But you see now, in the fourth quarter, he may not be in there. He's giving yeah. encouragement to the younger players. Yeah. Which which tells a lot Go about where he's at. Whatever your name yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who, who, number twenty two, uh, number five. Just shoot and pass it. Who's that kid? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it, Byron, the, who's that? That's part of his growth, though. That's the beauty yeah. of it, and you don't really see it and talk about it. But that's part of his maturation into. And he talked about being a teacher um, to these young players. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked me, could Kobe? Coach, I said I, I think it would be difficult. Oh, man. Yeah, no. I think from a, he, I from think a personality like, perspective, yeah. yeah, you know, even management, I don't know mm-hmm. because I don't. He's so driven, but yet isolated. It's like you said about LeBron. LeBron's a team player, yeah, yeah. so he knows how to fit yeah. into all. He could do a million things, whereas Kobe, as you said, has isolated himself. So all of a sudden, you have to teach yourself it, to work with people. About how interesting is it going to be the next? Let's see the next five years, six years. About Kobe. Like, Tim Duncan is a guy we know would just disappear off the face of the right. earth when he retired. Yeah. We already know that. Kobe's we, doing that, too. He's going to buy an island or something. But, but you know what I mean? We know Tim. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see Kobe. We had this conversation five years from yeah, now. Yeah, what he's doing. What he's, Tim yeah. Duncan literally will own one of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, yeah. No, no question. <laughs> no, no question. And, that, and have a swim team there because he know he swam when he was in high school. So... Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do rapid fire. This has been Uh-oh. awesome. Let's do it. I could go for hours. Uh oh. All right, first this one is up Mike. is from Sayer L4, best trash talker. Oh, Michael Jordan. Well, Michael Jordan, Gary Payton. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, my, your, Michael Jordan told me this. We're playing, we beat them in Jersey. This is when they won 72 games. So we beat them in Jersey at a 28, Sam Cassell at 25. We go to Chicago, we play them. Me and Mike are talking trash back and forth. Back. We lose a game. I had 33, but we, but but they won. So Joe Klein, after the game, goes up to Mike and said, Mike, leave my young fellow alone. Jim. He said, no, me and Jimmy are cool, but tell him that's why he's wearing my shoes. <laughs> I had some jump man. And I said, yeah, I'm going to continue to wear them too. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then Gary, like legendary, oh, right? Like- Gary was he he cut to the heart too. Right. I mean, Gary cut, Gary cut to the heart. Man. Did he ever was, make anyone cry? No, but he, he, he about, Gary would get personal. Oh man, he would cut you to Gary's the core. Gary's from Oakland. Yeah, like, man. Jeez, <laughs> and he'd keep it going too. Why you sitting on the bench here still? I mean, Gary was good, man. Hey, Larry Bird was a heck of a trash talker yeah? too. No, yeah. How weird is that? You're starting your career. You're playing against like Larry Bird and, and well, one of the things I heard too was they were playing Atlanta, and this is what I got that uh, it was a white guy that was guarding him. And he looked at the bench. He said, you insult him. You better get this white guy off him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean he always says yeah. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, this one's from Ron. Out of any teammate you have played with, who was the cheapest? Oh, I like that. Beside myself? Uh, <laughs> oh, Lucius Harris. I played with Lucius. He went to Long Beach State, and I played with him in Dallas. He had like this El Camino with the extended cab in the back, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Great car. That was a, that was a, that was an LA thing too at the time. Lucius Harris goes beyond frugal. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, he wouldn't spend his. We get per diem on the road. Pockets that. Pockets. Not oh, no, he's not spending. Oh no, no. <laughs> Lucius Harris, without without a doubt. All right, this is from Aaron Zykowski. Have you seen Sean Bradley naked? Wow, that's a that's shocking. Where one. would Terrible what would wow. make you even 
think wow. of that question. Do you read so these before you Sean ask them? Sean Bradley. Oh, no, because I, I wasn't on the team with Sean. So we, I got go. traded to Jersey, and, and he went to Dow. So fortunately, I didn't have to see that specimen of a body <laughs> soaking wet coming oh out the shower. No. Bradley. Nightmares. Uh, this is from Jenny Sports a lot. If you could play with any player from another sport, what player and what sport would oh, that be? I like that. If I could play? Yeah. Any sport. Like be a teammate. <laughs> be a teammate or or even golf or anything, really. Oh, that's a good yeah. question. Like, yeah. I grew up a big Lens Juan fan. I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I mean, he would be one just because I, I just loved – him as a wide receiver from a different sport. Um, Derek Jeter. Okay. Just, just, I mean, that'd be really cool to play with somebody like that. Did you ever have, ever have a moment in your career when you stepped on the court and you looked over and you're like, oh, where you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm playing with that against that guy? Oh, yeah. When, my first time I played, I played against Michael Jordan. It was like it was just me and him on the court. That's... Nobody else. The crowd didn't make noise. It was, it was, it was surreal. I mean, everything was in slow motion um, when I was in Dallas because for so many years you saw and you looked up to that particular player. Yeah. Um, it was almost it was almost similar. Magic was on the back end, but when we played against Magic too. But I I played with Magic in summer stuff like that. But yeah, when I played Mike the first time, it was. Surreal. So, in your mind, you know, he's considered the greatest of all time. In your mind, no question. Yeah, because I don't. It's it's hard to. I didn't. I didn't see Wilt play. I didn't see Oscar Robertson. I didn't see those guys in that era play. It's just like, you know, the, the generation today doesn't really know Michael Jordan. Really yeah. understand how good they know Steph and they know LeBron and yeah. KD. They don't understand how powerful Michael Jordan was as a player. They understand his brand by going out to get his shoes. But they don't understand him. And, and that, that's what happens when you start talking about generations. That's why it's hard to say who's the greatest of all time because when Wilton, those guys played, and, and Bill Russell, the league was totally different. You only had so many teams. In the 90s, the game was different than it is now. So it's, it's, it's very difficult when you start talking about that. Have you played golf with Michael? No, they, it's too expensive for me. Man. <laughs> hey, man. What's he playing for hey, hole? Them boys, they bet on everything. Now, they may go out there. And if you got cash or you got to cut a check, sometimes it could be 40, 50 grand, 100 grand. I mean, no, they bet on every – I'm good on that one. I mean, I, I like to gamble and I like to have – but I like to enjoy – you can't enjoy yourself when you bet not oh, your pants on every shot. I mean, come on. It, it's, it's a – well, you can't make that putt put five grand on it. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? You can't drive it here. You can't – I mean – So who can afford that? Who's he that- – Not me. And then, <laughs> and then business you, world people though, or is he playing? Athletes? No, he's playing with other athletes. And okay. then if you don't pay, Oakley, right there, boom, oh, he's that, got well, you. Well, that's what I, 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 I was. It's funny because I was just with Oak. Oak took care of me when I was growing up. He's, he's from Cleveland, so he kind of taught me the way. I was with Oakley this weekend. Uh, we were in Alonzo's event in in um, in Miami, and going through some of the stories. Oh my god, of that him. Guy. I don't know if you heard. He a couple of times. He Jeff McGinnis, they played for the Clippers. Oh, Oak. He had a little beef thing going on, and it was shoot-around. Oak walked into their shoot-around <laughs> and basically slapped Jeff McGinnis on the court at shoot-around and dared anybody to say anything. So there's the next question. Was he, like, the most intimidating player that uh, it, it was it, Oak, Oak, okay, Xavier McDaniel, yeah. he was one that, was, that would go fight. Derek Coleman. Oh, yeah. Okay. Coleman, my God. Rick Mahorn. 
I tell you, all who, those Pistons, I, right? Yeah, and I tell you who else was who else was like that you would is Vernon Maxwell. Yeah, uh, V was he was something else, Florida huh. kid. I mean, he he would fight a drop of a dime. So a lot of these <laughs> other guys that you want to act tough, it was certain guys you just knew. I'm good. Like you know what? I'm good. Like I look like at, at Matt Barnes now. Right? Nah, bro. Like, it, it wouldn't even. It wouldn't even be a story. Matt Barnes, stop it. Really? No. I don't know. I only say that because I just I would want stop Matt it. Barnes on my team because he's psychotic. Oh, yeah. oh no, no. He, <laughs> you would love him because he would irritate. Right. But you know, a lot of times that could it, it, it could be, it could it could hurt you too because at the inopportune time it could be a foul, it could be emotional. Fair enough. But right. he's been able to control that a little bit more and really irritate. It's funny though how he would irritate Kobe, then they were on the same team. You know, <laughs> then Kobe's like, I love that on my team. Whereas before he irritated. Out of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh man, Oakley though. What oh a... no, Oak was. <laughs> hey man, he was. He just even now, else. like out now, I'd be terrified. Yeah, he's that. something else. Right, some of the stories I heard the other day, I was just like, we got one more. Rapid yeah, fight. one more from Luca Capone. More. Luca, you're coming back, Jim. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, we're just on. scratching the service. Come on. This is uh, this is about the college days. How fiery was the rivalry with Michigan, especially when battling the Fab Five? You know, ironically, it wasn't. That our rival at the time was Indiana. Hmm. It, Michigan came in when I was a junior. They were freshmen. Now, we obliterated them twice during the regular season. They beat us in the Elite Eight. They, they got better as a team. So it's always hard to beat a team three times. But honestly, in in my college career, our battles were with Cal Cheney, Bob Knight, Damon Bailey, those guys at Indiana. It wasn't Michigan. Now, that was, that was always a football thing, but basketball, no. Your number 22 is retired by Ohio State. And do you still have a place back in Columbus? No, nope, not, no, not. I'm LA. Once yeah, LA, 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 LA door opened but you were, up, you so, went to a lot of Blue Jackets yeah, games. You were tight. With oh the no, owner? I, you know, yeah. I love. I, I got a better appreciation for hockey by going. Yeah. and it's a lot like basketball, right? You know, spacing on the court, passing. Now you don't get the hockey assist like you. You know, in basketball, like should you we? could get. Should you we should. Do that? I'm telling you, a lot yeah. of times that swing, swing pass. Why not? It gets it. But I learned so much. And, I, you know, more than I learned about the game is crazy is how crazy hockey players really are. I thought we were crazy. I thought football players were crazy. I hung out with some hockey players. Oh. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, it, it is a totally different <laughs> phenomenon. It's a totally different. I had so much fun, but I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, I just, I my liver would be just, just, it would be just too bad. I couldn't do it. Uh, this has been awesome. We you got to come back anytime. We, I just like barely scratched this. We got we can we can really get about. into the meat of a lot we of could different make this things. A regular segment. Yeah. you know yeah. that we we can get to the meat of a lot of different off topic different sports. Yeah. Oh we, yeah, we can yeah. talk entertainment. Oh we, yeah, we can do it. Absolutely. I got some stories. <laughs> would you ever want to do? Would you ever want to get in like entertainment reporting or? Heck yeah, I, you we, could do that. You know why? Because it's it's an interconnection between sports and entertainment. And fortunately, when I was growing, when I was coming through my younger stages, a lot of us all interacted in a lot of the same places. So I got a chance to meet Will Smith and Tom Cruise and all these different people because one, the beauty about basketball is that people can see you; they they see us on the court, so we're easily recognizable. That's true. That's and, a great point. And they, they want to hang out with. And you. they want to hang because and but then basketball players uh, want to be want to hang out with. The entertainers too, sure. so it's it's a great cross mix. And and here's the thing with the game about basketball. The thing about basketball, you can play by yourself. You can play with five people. You can play with two people. 
a lot of other sports, you need a collection of people to do it. Mm-hmm. Basketball, you don't. You know, it's not like That's soccer. Great point. Yeah. You know, but you, but, and I think people are attracted to that, and it is, it's allowed me to really interact with a lot of people I never ever would have met, and now that are good friends now, you know, 10, 15 years later, that we all met back in. You know, early '90s. Oh man! And now we're best buddies. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I got my, I got my, I got my Canadian crew right here. That's your teach. Oh, oh wait, and 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 the best part. What's the name of the What's the name of the bar in Hollywood? Oh, we were just talking about. Oh, the Jumbo's Clown Room. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're going. Oh, oh yeah, Jim's I, I, coming. I'm, I'm pumped. Oh, I man. can't wait to discover this place. Yeah, I'm pumped. I I, it's, I love it so much. What's the best thing about it? I just, you know what? I people know on this podcast, okay. I'm a fan of strip clubs. I enjoy strip clubs. I, I love the brass Welcome rail to the party. in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is a normal thing. Right. But what I love about that place is it's actually the kind of strip club that you could bring your girl to, or you you could bring a big group of guys and girls to, or a bunch of guys. It's just I can't believe they haven't tried to replicate this in other cities. Is that it's right? It's a dive bar that's a strip club, essentially. It's like a dive bar that happens to have girls on stage. And they're not like silicone-enhanced girls. They're more Courtney they're Love. Natural. And her, they're, yeah, natural. they're natural. They're natural girls. Natural, natural girls. And okay. we just discovered last night that once a year they put on, like, clown makeup. It's crazy. Oh. It's a <laughs> weird spot. Wait, 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 wait. They put on... Yeah, yeah. Welcome to your nightmare. Oh, yeah. is, is, it the, is, is it the makeup all over? No, just or, the head. Or just the head. Yeah, I think just the face. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know about that night. We don't have to go that night. Yeah, that that. <laughs> that sl- might terrify sl- me. So wait, wait. Slow walk me. Let me get. Let me get initiated. Let oh, me yeah. get, we're going, get comfortable. We're all, oh yeah. And yeah. Well, then and and it's in a like a lot of great LA places. It's in a divey strip yeah. mall. You know, is LA's it? so fascinating that way because you have some of the best restaurants, the yep. most enjoyable bars are in places that if you were in Columbus or you were in Winnipeg or Toronto, uh-huh. you'd be like, I'm not going to that going in there. freaking yeah. strip mall. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's weird. It's like, no, dude, you got to go to that strip mall. That's where so Jumbo's love is. We, we found our first we'll out. We'll Jim, it up. thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jim. Got Appreciate it. it. Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson. What a guy. We could have... It's like I said, we could have gone another two hours just yeah, chatting, he, asking him about different NBA players. He will be back. Um, he's a good dude. Uh, okay, it's time to play Six Degrees of Engineer Jim with our award-winning sound engineer, Jim. We got, I don't know about this one, Jim. Yeah. Ian Arahujo. <laughs> Arahujo. Who, who Ara- are they? Rafael Arujo? No, no, no. I didn't even Arujo. look. You this, see. Is the, this is the guy who sent it in. Sorry, this is the guy who sent it in. And uh. the artist he sent in uh, was a guy who has a new album dropping that was called Swish and is now called Waves. What? You're allowed to change the name? Just He's before? changed it like not seconds, yeah, yeah, before, seconds it before it's coming out. But you couldn't have done that in the old days because the, the album would have been printed yeah. and pressed. But he doesn't care. It's Kanye West. Kanye West. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's distant. It's very distant. But it's six degrees. Counts. It is six degrees, and uh, really, the only relationship is uh, I'm down with the booty. But what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what is <laughs> with Kim? You like her? Oh yeah, yeah. Come I, on, I'm di- oh Kim, K-K. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh 100%. yeah. Yeah. Props to the missus. Yeah, she you worked know. hard to get that fit. Yeah, come on. Hey. Yeah, she worked real hard. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you never know when you can balance a champagne glass. Right? It's, it's a lot of talent. That's actually touch. pretty impressive. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, All right, so, hear, um, oh, before you do, can so, we hear it's the year of Dan? We never get to hear it's the year of Dan. 2016, the year of Dan. What did you expect? <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. There you go. So, uh, no, we just worked at the same studio. He's worked at Record Plant and a couple of places in L.A., and I've worked at the Record Plant forever. So. Why would he go? For, I we think he'd have so much recording equipment, his own studio in his own home. Why would he go to uh, the Record Plant and just to change a scenery? Because yeah. he can. Yeah, Cause now because he, he can. But, He's got to get out know. of the house. Yeah, yeah, that's a good reason. Yeah. yeah, get the hell away from Kim. For and now a lot of those guys, you know, hey, if they're in Vegas, they work in a studio in Vegas. If they're in New York, you know. But yeah. uh, uh, I think his record plant days were, you know, before he and Kim were married and built the studio and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and the love. second one is from this one's good. I think the guy's a he, amazingly talented, by the way. He he's is. he's brilliant. Uh, so the second good. one from Camden Smith, uh, Oasis. Yes. Yeah, the Gallagher brothers. Um, again, distant connection. Uh, they did uh, a brothers tour with while they still uh, when they were still getting along when when they were still getting along and they toured with the Black Crows, right? The brothers no. tour, yeah. So brothers and brothers, you know, man, like the Robinson brothers, yeah, yeah. you know. And so uh, my connection to them is through the Black Crows with my connection to the Crows. And like Kanye West, I also recorded um, at a studio where Oasis did a lot of their stuff at Olympic Studios in London, which is a great studio. Uh, Stones recorded there. Uh, Queen. How often have you been to that studio? A couple of times. It was That's great. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you, great is it place. like w the setup for a, like a big European studio like that compared to something here in LA? Is it significantly different it, or pretty much the same? Uh, the big room is really impressive. It's huge. It's like the big room at Capitol, or you know, you can fit a huge orchestra in there and stuff like that. Um, and. The small room downstairs is very similar to a lot of the modern studios around. Joe, what do you think of Oasis? Are you were you in Oasis? Uh, yeah, fan? I was. I was. Uh, what's that album? Uh, what's the story? Morning Glory. Mm -hmm. I, I liked. A, I liked a lot of that stuff. Uh, Wonderwall. Yeah, I liked that song. I thought they were pretty cool. I thought they were great too. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad they couldn't get along. Just you couldn't know? get they're just brothers just couldn't get along because 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 the Noel wrote all the songs and and he needed Liam because he had a better voice. Yeah, and Liam was just a little f prick. <laughs> Shut up, mom. <Ma! laughs> <laughs> and then after a while, it was like just got rich enough that he didn't need the the prick anymore. Yeah, and I, you know it's one of those things too. They got real big, and I I think you know there was probably a little bit of uh, drugs and alcohol involved oh, in a lot of that well rage too. Yeah, they enjoyed yeah. these scoops and snacks <laughs> more more than perhaps any band of the night. Yeah, but man, those guys they they were good. I don't know yeah. if you ever saw them live or anything, but they were. I'm, they I'm embarrassed were really to say good. I never did. Jacob, did you ever see them live? No, I can't believe. We, how did we not see them live? Yeah, the, nah, they'll, they'll, they'll reunite. They'll we'll get, get our chance. We'll get our chance. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, how are we for time? Five minutes. 
I forgot to mention when I was in Toronto, I went up in the CN Tower for the first time since I was like ten. You get up there and you're like, "What do I do now?" Oh, you went with the with the girls. <laughs> I brought up my there. girls up. You're there and you're like, "Okay, what? Okay, I've made it up here." That's like any you know, going up the Space Needle or whatever Empire State Building. Like it's great, but then you're just like, "I, I couldn't walk view. on the glass floor." My kids did, but you could uh, you could have dinner at the top of the CN Tower, yeah. or you could do that thing that I don't understand why people do that. That where they not yeah. repel, but essentially have a, a cord that holds them against the top of the tower outside. Yeah. And they just lean back. No and just way. Walk yeah, Sydney like thought that's what we were doing. I'm like, hell no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's, uh, wow. I don't know why anyone would do that. Ugh. Yeah. Why, would why not, eh? Why would anyone do that? do that. And then this morning when we got on the plane coming back here, I get a tap on my shoulder and it's our old friend Sean McCormick. Jennifer he's now Hedger's working husband. in sales. Jennifer Hedger's husband, great guy, and he's heading to L.A. to do some business. And he said, uh, "He's like, well, I just passed Toolsy. Looks like because <laughs> you were covered in a blanket, shivering. Yes, like you look like you should probably not be here. Right I probably now. shouldn't. Why I don't you go home? I was go sweating. Rest. I was. Oh, I was horrible. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Maybe I won't come in tomorrow. Oh, okay, sick day. This is awesome. You get a nurse to come over. Oh, I see things are, are going well in we LA are in for like you. The olden days. Yeah, a little rub down. You send the doctor over. Hey, babe, you want to go out? <laughs> a shave. <laughs> a quick shave, a quick body shave. Uh, okay. I was getting hot in there. Can we do, what's that? I think I've lost 10 pounds. I've been sweating so much. Doesn't show. Here we go. Let's do touch my bag. Yeah, let's do it. Yes. It's time to touch their bag. The Jay and Dan mailbag. This one's from Hans Boss. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hi. Hi. From Switzerland. Hi. 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 Hey, Bods. Yes, you do indeed have fans all the way in Bern, Switzerland. Loyal listener here. From the very first podcast days at TSN. Love the new crew. Jim's a legend. Dan's blowing his nose. Mike does the most with what he's got. Okay. Sh Shregs might be my idol. Taggart's a true bod. Started listening to OLP because of him. I'm even good with Pat, since I'm a Pens fan, and he's from the Berg. Anyway, just wanted to let you guys know how far your influence reaches. Keep up the good work. You guys are awesome. Your bud, Hans. We, when we were at the Labatt thing over the weekend, a guy from Scotland, a guy from Glasgow came up to us and said, I've been listening to the podcast, podcast forever and tons of people in Scotland listen to your podcast. I don't know, we're big in Scotland. Yes. Let's go to, let's yeah. go to Scotland. I want to go I'm there. I'm down. Let's go there. This one's from Crapstopher D'Angelo. <laughs> Holy Bologna. Wondering what's the best way to tell if I need to poop now or can hold it for a more convenient time. <laughs> I figure Toolsy must be the best resource for how to hold it and mm -hmm. Andre for how not to. So surely between yeah. you two is the magic formula. Love the pods. Keep it up. Uh, my, my body is well trained. My bowels. Uh, like after work, I'll pull into my park, parking lot. And then the bowels like we're home, and they just yeah. start. They Here start, we go. Here we go. We're ready. Come on, it'll be fine. Da Daddy's gonna take care of us yeah. now. They know at work they're on lockdown. No, it's yeah. not gonna happen. No. Here. Go to sleep. Night, night, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> years <laughs> are just. See, yours are like your bowels are brat. 
It's a brat. It just does yeah, whatever it wants. they're brats, and they run the show. They're like my kid. My bowels are like my kid. They just run the show, do whatever the hell they want. Do what you want. Like the, today, I was dropping bomb farts on that plane. Oh, no. You know what I was doing? Because I, I had an excuse. Oh. Because my wife and I were sitting together with my daughter. And my I'd be like, oh, I better go change her. And my wife would be like, you just changed her like 10 minutes ago. No, probably pretty sure I, she's been farting. I'd go up, go to the little bathroom, just fill it with just the most disgusting smells. Even my daughter, she's like a baby. She's like, what is going on? Goo goo gaga. You are awful. And then go back again. <laughs> and then 15 minutes later, I'd be like, ooh, I think I got to change her again. My wife's like, really? Like, what is going on? You sure a cute kid. Go back, fart it up and again. That whole... <laughs> Nobody should have gone in any of the toilets on Air Canada 791 from L.A. To, Did you Toronto watch a, a film? Uh, watch Despicable Me with the volume off. My life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Old wow. man tools You in. are You're dying. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's <laughs> shut it down. Uh, thanks over. to Jim Jackson. Thanks to Peter Schrager uh, for coming on. Is Jim on Twitter? He is. <laughs> it's on there. Uh, at uh, Jim Jackson 419. At Ben Teller. Ben. You're great, man. At Pat Muldowney. He's got a lot of new ink. At Engineer underscore Jim. Coachella. Come on. We're going to be there together. <laughs> Delicious. You can also follow Jacob on Twitter. Jacob, what's your uh, Twitter handle? At Jacob, Jacob Bowman. Bowman. Rich, what are you on Twitter? Say that one more time. At Rich underscore Cook. Rich is our new boss, so tell you know, talk to Rich about what we should do on the wow. podcast. Tell him to sign us to a ten-year deal. Ten-year deal. At Jim Jackson four one nine. You probably mentioned that. Sorry. At Jay and Dan. And don't forget, at Jay and Dan on Instagram. And uh, we'll see you next week. God, it's been a terrific week. Oh, and happy birthday to Brady Lustich. Brady Lustich. shout out this week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. No, oh, Lustig. Lustig? It's Lustig. Oh, okay. yeah, he okay. sent us a tweet. Not Lustig. It's Lustig. It's Lustig. Okay. And L-U-S-T-I-C. one more shout out. What do they call the beer version of a sommelier? It's like a... Oh, can you look it up? A Craft? beer sommelier? Beer? Engineer Jim. Engineer Jim. Is it's a like beer Cicerone. version of a sommelier. It's called a Cicerone. Okay. Oh, yes. And I learned this yesterday at the Labatt thing. And uh, Michelle, who is the first Canadian Cicerone in Canada, huge podcast fan. She was the girl who was talking to us toward the end. Anyway, we want to give her a big shout out, Michelle. And happy oh, birthday nice. to Wayne Gretzky, the whose great birthday one. was on uh, y- Tuesday. Yesterday, right? Number 99, yeah. turned 55. 55. Producer Tim also turned 55. Producer Tim's birthday? Yeah, same day as Gretzky's. <laughs> the great ones. <laughs> the great ones. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week. So long, my time here is up. Elvis has just left the building. They're going home. Love you, boys. Have a great one. Hi, this is Lisa Ann. This is the end of the podcast. So all you...
can get out of here.